Well, uh, you are in for a treat today. Uh, this is the first time actually this ha- has happened since I've been senior pastor, so the last year and a half or so, and I am so excited about it. I've been talking to um, a member of this congregation for a little over a year now, and uh, we had lunch, and they've been attending, him and his wife have been attending here for about three years. Uh, they became members last year. And one of the things he shared with me as we had lunch is he said, yeah, I, I had done some preaching in my previous church. And I'm like, really? And um, he wasn't trying to seek a spot or anything. He just said, yeah. He said, I really, I, I just love sharing God's word. And he's done a lot of teaching as well. And I said, well, let's keep talking about this. And so over the last six months or so, we've been talking about him having an opportunity to share God's word with you. One of the reasons that I think that's important is I think it's good for you all to see somebody just like you as members of this congregation um, has a love for God's word and wants to share that. And so I hope he is an encouragement to you. Um, You're going to find there's not many more people excited about God's word as much as Jim is. And so I'm going to invite Jim Bitar up and Jim's going to share on the next beatitude with us this morning. And if you don't know Jim, he's usually back in the cage back here. And so I was thinking about maybe this morning having, you know, Matt and I just bring that, that plexiglass cage up here just so he'd feel nice and comfortable uh, because he's used to sitting back there. We could still do that if oh, you want. Do you want to do that? So I'm going I'm to have us uh, pray for Jim. But um, I encourage you to lean in this morning, not only to the truth that Jim is going to bring for us, but also how that truth how he has sought to live that out in his life and how he wants to share that with us this morning. So if you would bow your heads with me. Father, as Jim comes and delivers your word this morning, God, first and foremost, I know his heart is that you would be glorified and that people would love your truth. People would yearn for your truth. So Father, as you use him this day, may he be your instrument. May it be a witness to us of how you called us to use our gifts And Lord, today, speak to us, speak to us through your Holy Spirit, that we might be drawn more closely to you. We thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome Jim with me, if you would, please. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Good morning. So, Dan was sharing about getting connected, and I have a little story when my wife and I were coming out here. Um, I interviewed at Silfax, this was 2012, it was June 2012, so I'm staying in Brookville, in, um, right down the road, 20 minutes in, in Ohio, driving through cornfields, thinking, where, oh, where am I going? And, and I knew full well that God was bringing us here, because I had a great phone interview, and I landed in Cincy and thought, you know, I'm going to move here. So, so the cool thing is, we came, we were actually transitioning, I went to uh, four months to CLC, I was staying at Miller Lane in Dayton, and as we transitioned here, we, we knew there'd be a church here in Eaton where we, we moved. And um, we walk in here, we, we wanted to check it out. And my wife and I came, and like five minutes into this, she goes, this is where we belong. So she's so much more perceptive than me, which really isn't hard. So it was confirmed. But I, I just wanted to say this, this church, God is at work here. The pastoral staff is fantastic. You know, it's just, it's been great to be here in I thank you for this opportunity to, to share. I, uh, it's humbling and an honor and a privilege to do that. So, so let's go. I, I have a lot, couple more stories too. Just a little aside, all right? Um, 
probably the word righteousness or righteous will be used as many or more times as any word ever in a sermon was ever used. So maybe we could have independent tallies, notarize, submit this to Guinness Book of World Records, and ECOB can get in the books, right? Um, and I, I learned that <clears throat> as I was sharing with my, I'm doing a Bible study at Hope House in Richmond, Indiana, uh, young men who have committed to a time to get on their feet in Christ. And um, that's actually how I found there was one error in the bulletin. If you turn on the second page, these notes will hopefully be rich for you after, but Matthew 4.15 should actually be 3.15. So that was the one mistake I made, at least that I know, for that particular day. <clears throat> but I want to talk a little bit about Hope House. Um, these guys come in, they're, they're committed, they're on drugs or alcohol, severe problems, they're um, basically addicts, and sign up for a four-month program to get on their feet. And I've had a, a blessing to be able to share with these guys, but the cool thing is they're so hungry for God's Word, which is what we're going to talk about today, right? And you just see these guys week after week. I've seen, you know, they come in and four months later, they're like new people. They're brand new. They're just transformed. And that, that's what God's Word can do for you. So it's been a really cool privilege to be able to do that too. So, so what is today? Big day in sports. Super Bowl. Football. What else? Commercials are great, aren't they? Food. So we will be well fed tonight, right? So in Luke's version of the Beatitudes, it said, Woe to those that are well fed now, for they shall be hungry. What does that mean? I've eaten my, my food. I'm hungry. I'm full. I don't, I'm not hungry. So it's a hunger that's deep in our hearts for God's word, for Christ, and that's what the hung, real hunger is. And that's what satisfies us too. So there's the punchline. So, so anyway, um, I want to talk a little bit about my problem I've had with eating too much. Um, at one point, I was going to put pictures up of my three-pound porterhouse steaks I used to eat every weekend. But I thought, you know what? No one needs to know that. But needless to say, um, when T and I were first dating, she went and came over to meet my mom. And I had a little baby book. That, and she read through and just got such a kick out of it. So the one quote that she said, that she, well, she'll never forget, is, Jimmy started eating, and I've never stopped. <laughs> so how fitting to be able to share on hunger and thirst when God's really working on self-control with me in that area. And uh, I've had issues. You know, I've eaten, I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and eat, and it's never carrots and celery and lettuce, right? We're... I made clam dip once about a month ago, and I wake up. I woke up and ate like literally a bowl like that, and just felt like, "Are you kidding me?" The next day, you just feel horrible, right? So that's the food, food, and we do need food. <clears throat> so I guess I'm asking for prayer for that self-control in my life too. <laughs> but God knows we need food. But this this whole hunger and thirst for righteousness is a whole different slant, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's uh, look at Matthew five six. Thank you, Adam. So here's our theme verse for the day. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So we're going to talk a little bit about hunger and thirst, righteousness, and satisfaction. 
Pastor Matt a few weeks ago in the preface and Poor in Spirit did a great job talking about blessed are those. So that doesn't need to be rehashed. But the thing that hit me on that was God is smiling on us <clears throat> and approving us. And I, I know many of us have had earthly fathers who maybe weren't as approving as need be. But God, our heavenly Father, is smiling on us. So what a great, great thing. He loves us. So now it's interesting that we have two fundamental needs that Jesus talks about. And we're going to get into real true hunger and thirst now. So there's going to be a table coming up. And when you ask an engineer to do a sermon, you either get this, bar charts, pie charts, differential equations, or kinetics equation. Rate is proportional to twice temperature increase. Did you guys know that? Any other questions about my trade? <laughs> All right. So anyway, we're going to get into some of these scriptures in more detail. <clears throat> but this whole table is a really a summary of a lot, not, not exhaustive, but it talks about the verse reference, what is addressed, hunger, thirst, or both, in the object of that hunger and thirst. So this is true, true satisfaction, our spiritual hunger and thirst. So Psalm 42, 1 and 2, and that's a great, I'd love to read all these, but we won't right now. But just read them after, guys. The whole thing, I gave you like an insert with tons of scriptures. Just go ahead and let God's word soak in. I think it'll, if this is a quarter as rich for you guys as it was for me prepping, it'll be worth it. Then Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, it's hunger and thirst for what is good. Job 23, 12 is hunger for the word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16, hunger for the word of God again. Matthew 4, 4, recall this is right after the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. He went into the wilderness and then was tempted by the devil. The devil used God's word against him and he came back and said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he combated the word that Satan used with the word, and we don't live on <clears throat> bread alone. And he was actually tempted with, you can make this come to, to food, the stones you can turn into food. So, so that's a great verse about what's really important. John 14, 13 and 14, thirst for the living water, which is the Holy Spirit. John 6, 48 through 51, hunger for the bread of life. And here's another little aside. <clears throat> if you get into the I am's in Scripture, John 10 is loaded with them. Here's I am the bread of life. He also says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14. Do you guys know any more? I am's. I am the true vine. John 15, right? John 10 is one of my favorite verses in, or chapters in the Bible. There's two I am's in there. Jesus said, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. And then John 8, I am that I am. He's basically saying, as, Moses, as uh, God did back in Moses, that I am he. So, so that's a cool little side study if you guys want to get into that. I did not put those verses in, but you can look it up in your concordance or topical. So I'm going to dig deeper into two of these verses. Excuse me while I wet my whistle. 
Therese would be pleased to know that I'm getting tired of hearing myself talk, which <laughs> never, ever happens. <laughs> so Job 23, 12. This is Job, obviously. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And now Jeremiah, we'll look at that. Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found, and I ate them. And thy words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. <clears throat> so you guys are very familiar with Job and the troubles he had. Arguably went through more than any of us ever will. God took everything away just to test him. And he said, though he slay me, I will praise him. Right? So Job stood the course. Right? Didn't turn from God. Um, Jeremiah, I want to read a little bit about him. He also went through the mill. Because of his radical message of God's judgment through the coming Babylonian invasion, he led a life of conflict. Does it ever seem like that for you guys, leading a life of conflict? He was threatened in his hometown of Anathoth, tried for his life by the priests and prophets of Jerusalem, put in stocks, forced to flee from King Jehoiakim, publicly humiliated by the false prophet Hananiah, and if this wasn't enough, thrown into a cistern. It's like, okay, you've gone through all that, now we're going to dump you in a well. Have fun, Jeremiah. So these two guys arguably just both went through the mill. Yet look at what they clung to, right? The Word of God. When your words came, I ate them, right? I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. How, how can that happen, right? So really the, the takeaway here, when we're in the middle of turmoil, which we all will go through, right? Don't turn away from God. Turn to him. Get on your knees. Pray. Stay in fellowship. And I've seen two paths. I've seen people when they're faced with adversity and they just say, well, I'm giving up. And there's really nowhere else to go. You can't really turn from God because you can't run from him, right? So press into God like these old men of the faith did. Turn to him. <clears throat> and that's what really what's important. When um, Jesus asked his disciples, he told them that you must drink my uh, blood and eat my flesh or you cannot be part of me. Many of his disciples departed. Do you guys remember that in John 6? So then he looks at Peter and said, Peter, will you also go? And then Peter replied in John 6, 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere to go. Press into God in his word in turmoil. <clears throat> now this is... Uh, kind of near and dear to me as far as some pretty big struggles I've had. And I um, basically will summarize from 2006 and previous, from 97 to 2006. Uh, my first wife was just ill with heart and actually alcoholism. So I had liver problems, had just horrible um, health issues. Was in the hospital nine times. Um, and I hit the wall numerous times. And I actually remember waking up and just saying, Lord, what is going on? And then I, I, I just came to that. It's like, Lord, 
And I, I really, I said, if there's anywhere else to go, I, I would, but I can't. There's nowhere else to go right now, God. So he gave me, by God's grace, just kept in his hands on us as he, as he lays hold of believers. I had. I just kept pressing into him and reading his word. I was actually teaching a Sunday school on Psalms at the time, which was just a sustaining lifeblood. This was an, actually one of the most difficult times in 2003. So that scripture has hit me between the eyes at two in the morning numerous times. So this thing flew out of my ear. Can you hear me now? Matt said, you're going to wear this today, all right? (laughs) Sorry for the technical break. How's that? Can you hear me? By the way, I'm going to remind you guys of someone that you know, okay? And at the end of the service or next week, come and say, Jim, I know who you sound like. I sound like someone who's actually a sportscaster. So we'll take a poll on that next week. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I've actually had five independent validations. I, had, I called this guy, said, you sound just like so-and-so. Just call my son and tell him you're him, and he believed me, so... It's a mystery. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. So turn to God in his word. And, and you guys are at various stages of struggle. Just keep pressing into him. And just stay, stay in fellowship and stay in prayer. Just seek him. Seek him. That's the, that's the takeaway there. So let's uh, now take a look at Righteousness. I put those dot, dot, dots because there's more to come. This is fun. Can I do it again, like tonight? Yeah. Therese might hear it again. Oh, this is so comical. She goes, you know, Jim, if you don't get up and share, your head's going to explode. I think she told Dan. It's like, it's just so awesome to be able to, to share the word. Thank you. Okay, let's take a look at a quote by Matthew Henry, um, really one of the most famous commentators. He says, Righteousness is here put for all spiritual blessings. They are purchased for us by the righteousness of Christ to become a new man and to bear the image of God, to have an interest in Christ in the promises. This is righteousness. These we must hunger and thirst after. We must truly and really desire them. Our desire of spiritual blessings must be earnest and importunate. Boy, I'm amazed I got that word pronounced right. Give me these or else I die. Give me these and I have enough. Though I had nothing else. So look at that last statement. Is that, is that what we're our heart for? The things of God? For, for the righteousness of God? So, and ask yourself that as we go through here. What, what is really driving my hunger and thirst? What am I really hungry and thirst for? So these are all in the bulletin too. You guys can read them later and meditate and just think through it. So when we think about righteousness, it's in three phases, three components. There's righteous living, holiness. We, we need to live right. There's social justice, which is when someone's being wronged, you feel outraged because their unrighteousness has, has uh, taken that situation. And then there's, more importantly, probably the, the fulcrum for this is Christ, our righteousness. He is the focus 
fulcrum. And, and once again, I mean, everything boils back to Christ. So in, the, in this case too, so does our righteousness. Excuse me. <clears throat> Let's take a look at what God's Word says about this. There's a term called imputed righteousness, which is what's given to us. And I looked it up in Wikipedia, and they actually got this right. And you know, Wikipedia sometimes is right. I actually was going to put a video up about that, but um, I don't have any videos today, so, I, so we'll have to just do the, the Scripture route. So let's look at Philippians 3.9. <clears throat> this is Paul. He says, And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul had every right to boast in his own righteousness. Pharisee of Pharisees, kept the law, persecuted the church, he actually talks about in Philippians 3. But he knew all his righteousness was filthy rags, and the only true righteousness he had was through Christ. So, and then let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we may become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus was made sin so we could become righteous in him. So that's imputed righteousness. We've been given it through Christ. And uh, I want to quote uh, Erickson, Millard Erickson, from my book. Uh, In the New Testament, justification is God's declarative act by which, on the basis of the sufficiency of Christ's atoning death, he pronounces believers to have fulfilled all the requirements of the law that pertain to them. Justification is the forensic act of imputing the righteousness of Christ to the believer. So that's imputed righteousness to us. That's one prong of this righteousness. And then if we look at Jesus Christ, the focal point, the righteous one, there's a few scriptures I want to share about that. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I am writing to you that you may not sin, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus is the righteous one. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's a mouthful right there. So not only redemption, sanctification, and wisdom, but he's become our righteousness. So the Bible's just steeped with how Christ fulfilled our righteousness and made us righteous. And then Matthew 3.15, But Jesus answered, answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for it is, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And that's when John was going to baptize him and John said, well, how can I baptize you? You know, you need to uh, obviously baptize me. But Jesus was submitting to, so he could fulfill all righteousness, which is his obedience in every step of the way on earth. And this is really cool. We got a 
Ephesians 6 is a great book. You know, I talked about Matthew 4. Jesus used the word of God against Satan. Ephesians 6 is steeped with the armor of God. And one of the pieces of the armor of God in Ephesians 6.14, I will read that. I don't have this in the overheads. The armor covers every part of our body, right? And the armor is always facing forward. So if we turn our back when we're under battle, you know, we can get nailed big time. Ephesians 6.14, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So that covers your heart, right? So the righteousness we have in Christ in our heart, we are righteous through him. So when the enemy condemns and says, you're horrible, you're not worthy, it's like, no, I'm, I'm made righteous through Christ. So there's the breastplate and how it relates to the, the battle we have. And we do have battles. This is the funnest part. You shall be satisfied. Dot, dot, dot. So what does that mean? Are we, can we be satisfied here on earth if we seek righteousness? I believe that's true. There's also another component of being satisfied when righteousness is fully revealed when Christ returns to take us home with him. So if we do seek the things above on earth, God does provide satisfaction in fellowship, in his word. Sometimes when you seek God in prayer and the word, his presence will be just powerfully upon you. And I think that's in part a satisfaction while we're here. Uh, Pastor Josh a few weeks ago shared Matthew 6.33. I'd like to reiterate that. To seek first the kingdom of God. Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So God knows we need to eat, but we, we don't eat to live. We live to eat. And the world has that just backwards. And, and again, Pastor Josh, you shared a, a quote from Stott, I believe, that the Beatitudes are polar opposite to the world's values, right? Selfish gain and materialism, you know, you see that everywhere. Our culture just overindulge earthly appetites. There'll be people just overeating and, and drinking and whatever tonight, just, and just overindulging, right? But in Luke 6, 25a, woe to you who are well-fed now, for you shall be hungry. So it's like, a, it's like the reverse of our culture, right? So let me ask us now as we reflect, is there something out of balance that, that we're seeking? Maybe putting too much emphasis on something that's not God's word in Christ right now. Um, so examine your heart as we, we wrap up here. And we'll have a time of actually reflecting and being able to look at that. Are really our only satisfaction on earth is in Christ, in God's Word. So you can throw that Luke uh, scripture up because this basically was, I wanted to read it. 
Uh, Luke is interesting. It does, it's like a whole different treatise of the Beatitudes. Short versions, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. doesn't talk about righteousness or thirst, but, you know, like a shorter version. But the cool thing, and it has the woes, although woes can be tough, right? But there are a lot of woe warnings. And as I said, woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Obviously not talking about being full and eating more than you want to, but spiritual hunger, which is really the most important thing. So our ultimate satisfaction will be when Christ returns. So we're satisfied in part now with the word, fellowship, and prayer in his presence, but fully when he returns. 2 Timothy 4.8. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So, crown of righteousness on our head. Isn't that cool? And, and you know, arguably, I've, I've said this to God. I don't, you know, I do care what rewards there are, but <clears throat> the 24 elders in Revelation 4 and 5 just cast their crowns before God because the focus is on Christ in heaven. Everything we do is for him. So, but it's kind of cool that we, ha- we will have the crown of righteousness. And, and I'll ask you guys, too, do you love his appearing? You know, what if Jesus did return? Are, are we ready? And do you love his return, which is really our ultimate home when we get to, to be with Christ? <clears throat> There's a scripture in First Peter that I just really love. It says, set your hope fully on the grace to be revealed to you at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's First Peter 1.13. Is our hope fully set on that? Or is our hope on the Falcons win tonight? Which I really hope they do. But the Patriots are like the Yankees of football. And I was surrounded by Yankee fans in New York and grew up an Indians fan, which is a very sad existence. Okay. Back to the word and what I have on my paper. Stay on course here, mister. I was sharing first service that uh, Dan was sharing, what, about three months ago, about a brother who baseball became too important for him, so he just turned and and just walked away from it, didn't watch it anymore. said, you know, Pastor Dan, I got to stop. I got to just have a better attitude toward this. So I'm sitting by trees, and I looked at her and said, that word's not for me. (laughs) And of course it was. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. God is making us more and more sanctified and righteous and, and holy, but it takes time. We're all a work in progress, right? So just seek the word and let God mold you through tough times and let him transform you. That's, that's where we're transformed is through difficulty. It, it, there's a lot of scriptures on that I won't get into, but that's when God really has us and can mold us. Um, which one of you guys shared about the potter thing? About being molded, Yeah. Again, Pastor Josh, you know, getting molded is part of what we do, right? And the guys, what they take the thing and just plop it on the um, plate thing and, you know, they're just beating it up to start. And that's sometimes how it feels when we're being shaped, right? Okay. So to bring this to a a wrap-up, I want to pull the main scripture up again. Matthew 5, 6. And I truly hope and pray after this message that 
you have more hunger and thirst for righteousness and really have a hunger for Christ, to seek him, to spend time with him, to, to with all your heart, go after him and pursue him, and then long for our ultimate satisfaction when Christ, the righteous judge, returns for his church. And I have one more quote, if you'll bear with me, that really kind of compartmentalizes this. It's from uh, Dictionary of Theology. The New Testament makes it clear that the one who by faith is declared righteous also by faith seeks to do deeds of righteousness and to grow in righteousness in God's grace. By this grace, God also will bring just the justified into a final righteousness at the day when God will judge the whole world. So the bottom line, and I put this at the bottom of your bulletin insert, to hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ, who is the righteous one, who fulfilled all righteousness, who is our righteousness, and will return for us to live with him forever in heaven where righteousness dwells. So let's take a time to uh, reflect. I want to put one more verse up that's of Psalm 73, which is a psalm of Asaph. And this has been a near and dear scripture to my heart. And I, I wish I had this heart, right? And may God give us all this heart. So as we reflect on what are we putting ahead, what are we hungering and thirsting for that's not righteousness, you know, let's examine our hearts as we, the band comes back out and we uh, do this closing song. So Asaph says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee I desire nothing on earth. Heaven, earth, he's it, right? That's, that should be our desire and our, what we're seeking after. Let's take a time of silence for about a minute to examine your hearts and then I'll close in prayer and the band can play. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we can hunger for your word. I pray that you give each of us a hunger and thirst for your word, for your truth, for your presence, for Christ, our righteousness. I pray it help each of us grow to hunger more for you that even later today or tomorrow we'd wake up and just seek you with our whole hearts, Lord, in prayer and reading. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ. Thank you that we can be satisfied with your presence here and at your return to be with you forever. We thank and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.